Hello, welcome to UCLA Radio. You're listening to The Deep End Theory with Valide and myself, Leslie Snipes. Today we are joined with Anthony Menescalco, better known as Hook and Sling. Anthony is here to talk about his latest release, Shoot Down the Sun, and then he'll be hitting the decks for a live guest mix. Hook and Sling has achieved remarkable success collaborating with the likes of Galantis and Nervo, and remixing tracks from Calvin Harris, Flo Rider, and Lana Del Rey. Welcome to the show, Anthony. How's your Tuesday going? Uh, great, guys. Now that, um, sorry, I was a bit late because I got a bit lost, but everything's yeah. going great now. I blame I blame my friend who was coming with me and he just gave me some bad directions. So. <laughs> <laughs> it's all right. UCLA is a massive campus. It's We get lost on it and we go to school here. Um, so just to give a, a background, what's the origin of Hook and Sling? How'd you get started with electronic music? Uh, Hook and Sling comes from, the name is a... Um, is the title of an old funk record called Hook and Sling and I used to sample that record when I first started producing and um, I was reading like interviews that producers would give um, to up and coming producers and they'd be like don't use sample CDs, don't use um, you know sounds that other people are going to use so go find your own sounds and, and make your own records that way so that's how that's how I you know I did my first little EP and thought I'd credit my inspiration and that was in what year? I mean, that was probably around like 2004 when I first started producing. And so, I mean, do you, do you usually get like, oh, so your hook wears sling? <laughs> yeah, <totally. Or laughs> I can imagine because I always thought that you were two people or your duo. And so like, I've, I've known your name for so long, never been able to put a face yeah, to it. Yeah, man, it's just me. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, some people get really disappointed. They're like, "Oh, where's where, where are the guys at? Or, are we waiting on someone else?" And I'm like, "No, it's just me." Hooking, sling, all Let's me. Go, yeah. <laughs> and so you just you just released a single called "Shoot Down the Sun." Yeah, um, it's it was released on April 13th. It's got kind of this popular vocal with yeah, like Friday this, the 13th that came out. Yeah, <laughs> um, and this deeper bass line. What? How'd you come up with this track? Um, what do you want people to know about it? Uh, so, uh, I wrote this track with uh, two friends of mine uh, a year ago in Italy. So, I was over there on a songwriting camp and for those people who don't know what that is, it's like when managers and label people think it's a good idea, they have these like, you know, these like, oh, we should get all these people together and write music. So, um, one of these songwriting camps was me and about 12 other people and they put us in this, uh, in this beautiful old house, like a... I mean, the house was, I'd say, maybe a thousand years old, and uh, I'm not joking. Like, it was like it was like it was like it was built on ruins. Like it oh, was, wow. and it had been rebuilt a few times. And this beautiful old house in the middle of Florence. And actually, Armin van Buren was there too. So me and Armin were like the electronic guys, and there were like uh, a bunch of uh, vocalists as well, and other songwriters. And on the first day of the, of because we had five days of, of writing music. And on the first day, I was working with a guy called Ollie, who's actually in the studio today, funnily enough, uh, and a girl called Lauren, who was uh, who was the vocalist on, on Shoot Down the Sun. So that song came about, was the first song that we wrote on that five-day camp. And then I took that, that song away, and then, you know, I produced it up, and, and uh, that's how the track was born. Uh, is that a, a common way to, like get new music and inspiration nowadays uh it's becoming more common like songwriting camps have been around i think for a while but they're becoming a lot more common now like uh guys like myself djs producers um are going to these camps and and getting in the room with 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 other songwriters and 
and coming up with songs like on the spot you know like we want you know we want to we want to write we want to you know get involved and, and it's a quick it's a it's a good way and a quick way i suppose to to like you know get music happening and i, I think over that week i had six new singles that i wrote oh wow yeah that's efficient yeah, yeah, we just we just write like all day and all night. It was it was really cool. Are all of them out, or are all of them going to be released? Um, sometimes you know some singles are, are ones that will work and the label loves and they'll they'll go out straight away. And other times the the song needs more work and you know I go back on it a few times, maybe change the vocalist or you know it's not always as it's not always like straight through to you know release. So I mean you, you've been working on this for a while as part of your career so yeah. how do you think you've gotten how'd you get your confidence in production um to be honest man like um this one probably goes out to all the up-and-coming producers as well like i still struggle with like you know confidence producing because you're always like you know i like it but will other people like it there's always you know you're always questioning not your own ability but you you because i know I'm, i i love what i do so that's that kind of puts a lot of confidence issues to rest. Like, I love it, you know. So if someone if someone else doesn't like it, you know, fuck them. I don't so really care. Like your taste. Yeah, yeah. You yeah. gotta you gotta just trust your your instincts. But then then there also is always this little, you know, as a creative person, you're like, oh well, I'm not just writing music for myself. This is music to be consumed by a lot of people. And I always think, you know, maybe if I change that, maybe it would it would kind of work better in the club. And we're not by that I mean like as a DJ like. Is it is it going to be is it going to are more DJs going to play it if if I change the kick drum for example? So you always like questioning you know that kind of stuff. But um, yeah, you know I, I always say to people you know just trust your instinct. That's that's always the best thing. And so you've had a, a very long and fruitful collaboration uh, with Galantis. Yeah. And so how did that start? Uh, where'd you meet them? They we, they actually came on the show. Did they uh, really? About six yeah. months ago. Oh, yeah. We sick, had man. I yeah, love those guys. Them, yeah. So I, I did a remix for, I forget which, which one came first. So Christian from Galantis is in Mike Snow as well. Yeah. So I did a remix. I think the first remix I did was for Mike Snow or Galantis. I can't remember which one it was. I did, um, damn, what's that song called? Um, I don't know why it's escaping me right now. But anyway, I did uh, Gold Dust for Galantis. And then I did a Mike Snow record as well, which are on the same label. And then after that, I was and like Christian was, you know, him and I were talking on Twitter, and I'd he'd send me videos of him playing the record at Ultra and the remix at Ultra, and I was cheeky and I was just like, hey, dude, we should do a record together. And and at that point, he'd only collaborate. Galantis had only collaborated with Cascade, yeah, on one yeah, record, that's and how I was, they started. Yeah, yeah. So I, I kind of like was slid in the DMs and like, <laughs> come on, man, let's, <laughs> let's do a record together. And I I screenshot it too, and I posted it on my Instagram last year. And um, he's like, yeah, cool, let's do it, send me some music. So I started putting some songs together, putting some ideas down, and I sent him two ideas, and he was just like, no, we can, we can do better than that. And then Love On Me um, came about about six months after that, and I was working on it, and I was talking to my manager, I'm like, hey, this would be perfect for a Galantis collab, and he's like, yeah, cool, send it to him. So I sent it to Christian, and he didn't write back to me, and I thought he was just snubbing me again. But as it turned out, he just missed the email. So two weeks later, I sent it again. I'm like, hey, did you check out that song? And he's like, yep, let's do it. And that was it. That's awesome. I mean, like the song took, you know, six months after that to come out. But, you know, that was how it began. Yeah, I mean, I think I can speak for for most of the world and say that your remix of Gold Dust is 
better than the original. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> the original is great too, but that remix is oh, just on another guy. level. I appreciate that. Yeah, um, but it's really cool that like artists could go back and forth and just be honest with each other and be like, yeah, you could do better or like this, this, it, it needs to be somewhere like the vibe has to be different or, or like there is something better out there, you know? Yeah. I mean, that, that remix was, that remix was something I worked really hard on because I knew I wanted to make a good impression on those guys and uh, yeah. it was important because I had, I had that little idea in my head that I wanted to collaborate with them. I got it. And so along the collaboration route, you also did Reason with Nervo. Yeah. Um, that was a huge track as well. How'd you, how'd you meet the girls? You got the guys so, and the girls. That's right. So um, they're Australian. So we, um, I think they heard Swedish House Mafia. I did a remix in like, I think one of the first remixes that like kind of got attention for me was one I did in like 2010. It was called Pocket 808. Uh, I forget the name of the song. Uh, I'm really bad with names today. Anyway, so the girls heard the Swedish House Mafia were playing it, you know, almost every set. Like Steve Angelo made a bootleg of it, and and the Swedes were playing it every set. And so the girls hit me up. They're like, "Oh, I love this this record. You know, we should do a song together." And that was like 2011, 2010, 2011. And um, that was like, and I was just like, I was just really getting going with my production. Like I was, I I felt like I had gained a lot more confidence with other DJs playing my music and so they said let's do a song together so it literally took us two years to get into the studio together because they were traveling a lot they had a lot of success with um with their career like they, they were previously songwriters and then, then they took their artist career on the uh to labels and then they were, they were killing it so yeah it took us two years and and uh in 2012 we wrote um reason and in my little apartment in bondi in sydney and um, oh, wow. dude, seriously, like the apartment, the studio in my apartment is like tiny. It was probably about <laughs> eight, maybe eight by eight feet. And then all three of us were crammed into this room writing this song. It was hilarious. And the girls were like fighting with each other. So it was, it was a cool experience. Yeah. So, so you mentioned that like, it's really hard to schedule uh, like time with other DJs and stuff and being on the road so often. Yeah. Um, how is it that road, like being on the road? Yeah, it's it's tough, man. But at the same time, I mean, everyone's an email away or yeah, you know, uh, a FaceTime call away. But that so if you want something or a that? missed email occasionally, a missed email totally. <laughs> yeah, yeah. got to follow up. That's yeah, lesson yeah, that's there. The moral of this <laughs> yeah, seriously though, um, it's it's not too bad. Um, sometimes when I travel a lot, I really miss being home in the studio, and it, it works the other way around. Like I'm sitting at home. Um, you know, working two weeks solid in the studio and I just, I feel like just not having that anymore. I'm like, I just feel like playing these records out and, and touring and, and, yeah. and traveling. Yeah, I mean, the the reason I bring that up is because I've, I feel like there's been a bad rap about the DJ like industry and it's just like all partying. And yeah. Especially with the Avicii thing that just happened. Yeah, yeah. It's like, yeah, I think it's important for, for DJs to realize that music isn't everything, you know what I mean? Um, I came to this realization maybe in the last couple of years where I love music more than anything. You know, it's, it's, it's my life. It's given me the life that I have, but I also love my dog. You know, I love, you know, I love exercising. I love hanging out with my friends. I love all this other stuff. And, and I think, I, you know, I try and keep like stuff balanced and try and keep perspective on, on life, you know, yeah. it's hard. Like, honestly, a lot of people, you know, as 
as we you know know by what what's happened recently is get caught up by the business and, and success and yeah yeah i think that message is pretty important for ucla students as well yeah for sure <laughs> have a balanced life you know yeah um so how, like how do you approach working on an original track as opposed to a remix do you have a different production cycle thought process when you're approaching that uh with remixes um if you want to get technical for a second i suppose i always use a similar template when it comes to remixes um and with originals i always try and start with a blank canvas um only because a lot of my remixes are i think that i mean that they're, they're club I, I play my remixes are a lot more club than my originals so when i want to make a club record i know I know I have like four or five kick drums I know that are going to work in a club um, and then drums are always like the starting point for a remix and then and then I say I'd say like vocals and and song structure is, is for originals but yeah and then that always changes and it always morphs into something else but that's kind of like how I approach each and do you have like a favorite venue to play in uh, I played in LA last week at Academy. Academy, yeah. Yeah, which used to be Create. Yeah. And that was kind of like the first, the first big shows I had in LA were at the, at that that venue, and I, I always I always love playing there. And I just posted a little video today on my Instagram, uh, a little after movie from that vi from that show, and it was it was sick, man. It was such a great show. Yeah, we were we were busy that night, but we uh, we want to get to Academy. We haven't been there yet. So you should definitely go. The light, the new the, setup is really cool. I know. I saw the the like overhead light. Yeah. It was awesome. It feels like it's like it really feels like a. It feels like a bigger room, but it's not. You know, like because huh. the the screens make the room look a whole lot bigger. Right. But, uh, it still looks like the same layout, but. And it was pretty big. I, it felt pretty big before. Yeah. I mean, the ceiling's not as high as like Exchange or something. But yeah. Exactly. It, still. Huh, I felt like when awesome. I was standing up there, if the room felt bigger because I could see a lot further back and the whole room lit up right. when, the, when the screens were on. So, well, I mean, I'm sure you killed it last last week, but I mean, has there been a, like, what's your biggest onstage mishap <laughs> or nightmare? Um, turning the wrong song off, like, um, <laughs> or playing a song twice. I hate doing that. Ooh. Like, I play a song and then go into another song oh no I, I say i play a song and 15 minutes later play play the same song again but i quickly mix out i just yeah i hate that um apart from that there's always the mic you know like anything goes wrong or i play something wrong i could just oh, fade right. out and be like yeah. hey guys i want to say something <laughs> and, then, and then actually put the right track on pro tip <laughs> that's hilarious when you or organize your music. A lot of people listening actually are trying to, you know, they either already DJ or they're trying to produce. Do you yeah. have like a a favorite way to organize your music or any like strategies for, you know, when you're live in a club or something like that and you wanna you wanna like hit a particular vibe or something like that? Do you do you have any like structure to your library that helps you do that? Uh, yeah, I keep I keep everything in key. I love mixing in key. I feel like people um, not necessarily pick up on it but they can tell that the, the, the set has a flow um there's a lot of people that come up to me and they'd be like oh the set just flowed really well i don't know why but you know it just felt like it had a really good flow and then i know it's because a lot of it is to do with you know playing tracks in key and making sure that transitions are 
as seamless. I, I really love doing that kind of stuff. Um, but yeah, when it comes down to how I structure, like how I put together my like my USB drive, I, I always keep like a main folder of about 40 or 50 tracks. And that's kind of like my main go-to, my A-list. And then I have subfolders of like, you know, different genres. Like, you know, I have like a folder called Deep Bangin'. And that's, <laughs> that's always like, you know, when I'm playing like a late set, yeah. and I, there's no breakdowns, it's just all beats, but it's just, you know, banging. And, do you have like a favorite key jump or you know something uh, beyond the because not really yeah, just I'm, no one-to-one like well i kind of you know i kind of work i always kind of start off with um f minor which is like 4a oh. and then and there's no there's you know, to be honest i always start probably like it just depends on my sets at the, you know changes at the moment i start around uh 9a or 4a which is um just because I'm, I'm, they're the intros that I've made, and, my, and shoot down the sun is like right. uh, E minor, which is like where I kind of start. And then, yeah, you know, it depends what I'm, what I'm playing. Cool. All right. Well, I think it's a good time to go to our next segment, which is What's that? the 30 second rap- rapid fire section. Oh. So a whole bunch of questions, really quickly, and then after that, we'll get to the mix. Yeah. So let me get my timer ready. Mark, you want to take it this time? Sure. All right. So. First question. Yeah. You're going out in LA. Yeah. What's your favorite spot? Uh, public school. It's got an awesome burger. Mm. Uh, favorite track from your childhood? Uh, probably something from Beastie Boys. Um, um, let's come back to that. Halfway in. Dream B2B? <laughs> um, I did a back-to-back with Martin Garrix, actually, in... in um, Washington last year, that was pretty dope. Record box, tractor, or Serato? Uh, record box. Favorite effect? Reverb. Time. Cool. All right. <laughs> Ooh, those got some interesting ones. Yeah, definitely. Martin Garrix. Yeah. Martin. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, he came down to my show in uh, in Washington, and then um, he was playing the night after, and then uh, he just jumped up, and we just we played till like three a.m. <laughs> nice. Yeah, like, That's wow. awesome. Yeah. <laughs> And just at will, like, you could just do that, huh? Yeah, yeah, and I've met yeah, him once before. Be we, nice. He actually played after me at EDC once. He came on oh, to really? my, like, I was playing a smaller stage, and then he jumped on after me, and that was when we first met. And then, um, and then, I don't know, He, I always see him at the club, and he always seems to jump up and play a few tracks, and he's, he's cool like that. Nice, sounds fun. Well, Anthony, thank you for joining us. Thanks now he's going to bless us with a live guest mix. Yeah, let's go. So you're about to experience hook and sling, you know, not in first person, I guess, but over the airways. <laughs> On Deep End Theory. Yeah, enjoy.
Hey, this is Hook and Sling, and you're listening to me live in the mix on Deep End Theory on UCLA Radio.
Shalom. 